0: Hello, and welcome to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. For the last couple of weeks, we have been diving into dialogue. How do we actually write good dialogue in our stories? This week, we're going to continue talking about good tools that will help you to write better dialogue. And we're going to start with number one you give your characters an objective. Now this is harder to do than it seems because a lot of times what happens is you're not thinking about where the character has just come from before they encounter the main character. You're not thinking about the supporting characters near as much as you're thinking about your main character. And that's a mistake. Because when you have everybody in your story pursuing an objective, their own independent objective, It automatically strengthens the kind of dialogue exchange that they can have. So one of the most important things that you can do in your story is before you enter any scene, figure out who's going to be in that scene and make sure you understand where are they coming from? What are they in the process of doing? Because here's the thing. We're always in the process of doing something. Now, it may be that their day is unwinding and you've got a mother character who's just trying to get some laundry done, in which case, don't have her sitting there at the kitchen table like a piece of furniture, just waiting for the child to come in and have a conversation with her. No matter what, we are always in the process of doing something, even if what's happening is one of the characters is finally wanting to wind down for the day and they sit down to watch TV. If that's the case they really want to watch tv they're into that show that is their agenda for that moment and then the other character who comes in to talk to them is interrupting them and that then allows nuances of dialogue to come out now of course watching the television is a pretty passive activity but not if the person really really wants to watch it i can tell you from experience that there are times in my life when there is nothing i want more than to have everybody leave me alone so I can watch one of my shows. In which case, it actually means something. It's important. That's part of what you're having to do when you give your character something to do, something to pursue. It needs to be important. It needs to be important to them. Even if, like I said, it's a mother trying to take advantage of what little time she has to get some laundry done. So it's important Make sure that the stakes are high enough, even if it's that they're running to the coffee shop to get a coffee. Give them something to do, something to pursue. Now, of course, the best kind of things to pursue have to do, generally speaking, with what the overall objective is in the story. So if you have a character who's trying to figure out how to win over the love of their life, or if you have a character who's trying to figure out how to solve the murder of the love of their life, They have something to pursue, an objective. The best dialogue exchanges come out of the moments when your character is in the process of pursuing some sort of goal. So the very first thing that I would recommend that you do before you enter into any scene is make sure you know which characters are going to make an entrance or be in that scene and what are they actively pursuing in that moment. That's why you need to know where they just came from. Because see, they just came from somewhere. Their life doesn't begin the moment that scene begins. Their life is already in motion. So you need to know whatever they're leaving will also play into how they enter the next scene. If you have a character, for example, that just gotten in an altercation with some woman in the parking lot, that character then enters the next scene flustered or riled up, or ready to fight, or cocky, or arrogant, or whatever their personality may be, it affects them. And then that in turn affects the dialogue that they have with the next person. So you have to know where they're coming from, and what they're after, what they're pursuing at every given moment. All of the characters, not just your main character. Now, one of the best ways that you can do that is to give your character a profession. Most of us already know what our main character's profession is. And yet, a lot of us will have scenes where the main character is doing things that have nothing to do with their profession. But make sure you know what the professions are of all of your characters because a profession automatically gives the character an objective, something to pursue. Now about professions... I want to encourage you that even when you're trying to choose a profession for your main character, that you choose wisely. Generally, you want to give your character a profession that is active and that requires personal interaction with other characters. For example, you don't see a lot of accountants because it's not a very active profession. The other profession that you want to try to avoid in general, but which a lot of writers end up using because we write what we know, but typically speaking, you don't want your main character to be a writer unless they happen to be a journalist. Why? Well, because if they're a journalist... You can show journalism. You can dramatize journalism. You can show them actually investigating. It's an active profession at that point. But if they're just a writer, how do you show the writing process? Where does that take place? It takes place in the writer's head. A lot of times you will see films that try to dramatize the profession of writing And sometimes it's just awkward. You end up having these cliche scenes of the writer sitting there with the blank page and there's a pile of trash next to the garbage can of all the stuff they've started writing and they've thrown it. There's even a film with Jane Fonda where they took it one step further and instead of just throwing the piece of paper to show that she doesn't have anything to write, she gets up and actually throws her typewriter out the window. That's how they have to dramatize it. But that's cliche at this point. So... Typically speaking, believe it or not, you don't want characters who are writers. Notice in the TV series Castle with Nathan Fillion. All right, he plays a writer. But guess what? We never actually see him do any writing. Part of that is because he's a mystery writer, and so he's constantly investigating crimes. But he also has gotten himself this sweet gig following around Beckett, and working with the police to help solve murders. So that's what we actually see. So yeah, he's a writer, but is he? Do we ever actually see him writing? No, because that's boring. So you actually want to try to give your characters a profession that is active. And again, that requires personal interaction with other characters. Writing is a very solo sport. It's not very interactive. And there are a lot of other types of professions that you typically want to avoid. Now, there's also a problem in novels because the emphasis tends to be on perception rather than action. In other words, what novels focus on a lot of times are the observations of the characters rather than the behaviors of those characters. And you can get away with it, I'm gonna be honest with you. You can actually delve into perceptions or observations and thought processes about what's happening around them and what they see in the world around them. You can actually do that and it can read well on a page. But trying to translate a character who spends their time telling the audience his or her perceptions about the world around them or commenting on other characters, trying to take that character and turn them into a dramatic character is difficult so better to focus on behavior give them a profession that requires them to interact with other characters and that way you don't have to tell me what the character is thinking or feeling you can show me through action and action includes dialogue so Take any scenes or passages where the character is pontificating or observing the world around them and try to turn those scenes into dialogue exchanges between characters because now it's not telling, it's showing through dialogue. Now, how you do that is, of course, very important and why we're going over these great tools. But for example, in my very first novel called The Bottomless Box, which I'm still working on, by the way, I had a character who was talking about the past. He was relaying to the audience information about the past. My forte is screenplays, not novels. So I wanted to get some feedback before I got too far into it. And I gave it to a friend of mine that I trusted to read. And she said, well, Zena, this is all interesting. However, is there any way that you can have Percy say something? Thank you, Lulu. Is there any way that you can have Percy say some of these things through dialogue with Wilbur? Is there any way that that could be turned into a dialogue exchange between those two characters? And it absolutely could. So instead of him just relaying to us things about the past, it worked much better by turning it into a dialogue exchange. Okay, so again, you want to make sure you give your character something to pursue and that they're always in the process of pursuing something. Number two. Cast the character. This is a really great tool that you can use that will help you. So you remember when we talked about how you want orchestration. You want every character to sound like themselves. You want them to have a voice that is unique. Well, this is how you can nail the voice or the sound of that particular character. You picture an actor in the role so that you can write specifically for that particular actor. It will keep you from writing in a vacuum. It'll bring out all kinds of levels of vocabulary. It will spice it up. And this is important, especially when you're trying to think through the differences between types of characters. Like, let's say that you have a gangster character. Well, guess what? Al Pacino sounds different from Robert De Niro, who sounds different from Joe Pesci. Now, they could all be mobster types, Right, They could all be part of the mob, and yet, depending on who you cast in your head, you're going to write the role slightly different. Same thing if you're trying to write a middle-aged, beautiful mother character that's blonde and bubbly. Okay, well, Cameron Diaz sounds different from Drew Barrymore, who sounds different than Gwyneth Paltrow. All three of them, they're kind of the same type, And yet they sound different. So again, if you know the type of character that they are, you can oftentimes cast the character in your head and write it as if that actor is going to play it. By the way, this is exactly what the author of Gone Girl did when she wrote that book. She pictured Ben Affleck as the main character. And what's fascinating about it is that when it got turned into a movie, guess who they cast? Ben Affleck. And that's who she pictured the whole way through. It helped her to write that character well. Okay, the final tool for today that we're going to talk about is number three, act it out. Actually, get up on your feet and improvise the scene. It'll bring out nuances. Also, if you have any actor friends, ask them to act it out. Give them a little blurb about what the scene is about and then say, go for it. But here's the thing you'll notice. When you give your actor friends a little blurb, you have to automatically include what each character's objective is. So it will also help you to understand sometimes what the objective really is for your characters. Sometimes that's what's missing, and because you hand it off to actors or try to improv it yourself, you figure out what it is you need to know, where your weaknesses are in terms of your character development, and then you can fill that stuff in and it will automatically bring out nuances. So act it out. Get on your feet. There are so many times when I am driving down the street and I'm having an argument with myself. And I'm doing both characters. And I'm I'm doing it back and forth. And I'm sure people look over at me and think I'm nuts but that is oftentimes how I figure out how a conversation should go. I have to hear it out loud. I have to act it out. Sometimes I have to be on my feet and actually move. That's the other advantage to acting it out is that you're learning what the movements are. You feel it. See, when characters have dialogue exchanges, they're not usually just sitting down talking to each other like talking heads. If you've done your job right, they're in the middle of doing something and Because of triggers in the conversation, it causes them to take action, whether that action is storming towards the door or throwing a glass or overturning a chair or pouring themselves a tall drink. The conversation itself will bring actions on that if you act it out, you will feel it in your body because it will be connected. So that's another reason why you want to try and act it out if you can. Or have actors who will act it out for you, if you can't. Okay, so to recap then, we've covered three tools today. Number one, give your character something to pursue. Number two, cast the character. And number three, act it out. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that these tools will be helpful. These are some of my favorites. I use all three of these all the time. I also just wanted to remind you that I am in the process of finishing up my website, www.thestorytellersmission.com, which is going to hopefully be a place for you to go to get resources on how to become experts at this thing called writing. Until then, thank you so much for listening to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.